I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a mouse. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the podcast for all things Disney for NPR Illinois Community Voices and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host today, Craig, and I'm joined by two wonderful ladies tonight to break down the latest installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That is Wakanda Forever, the sequel to the Best Picture nominated Black Panther. And I'm so excited to get into this. First, we've got B Bonner, who has been a very recent guest and frequent guest on Beyond the Mouse. It's nice to talk to you again, B. Oh, it's so nice to be here. And I'm I'm just going to say this right now. I think I deserve a cartoon drawing of myself to put on the Front Row Network site. <laughs> no kidding. You actually, you really do. And uh, we need to make that happen. I will say that our good friend and I believe still listener, Dominic Salini, who did all of those for us a while ago, uh, is very busy <laughs> right now. And that's a great thing. But I have a listener for Peanut Butter and Biscuits who has done artwork for us. Oh. Also awesome. And I don't want to necessarily take away from Dominic's work. Either, He's awesome. But we might have to negotiate something here. And maybe uh, we'll definitely get some artists on on you. as far, and, and then also all of us on the Front Row Network. I think that'd be a lot so. of fun. I think so. <laughs> Speaking of people that joined the Front Row Network not that long ago from, I think you're going to like this podcast, Jacqueline Kiesier, how are you? I'm good. I also, Megan and I were talking about how we need our characters okay. too. Like, okay. we're on the network. All right. That, kind of important. We're, we're, Jacqueline, we're we, trying to make this happen. And I know we that, might need to fight Craig about this. We might need to get I will always fight Craig. <laughs> <laughs> You two are going to gang up on me all night, aren't you? Vanessa oh, yeah. uh, is like, she's not necessarily the biggest fan of her hip jutting out in her caricature. I don't know if she might <laughs> have so mentioned cute. that to you, B. Oh, I hear about it all the time, but I told her, you know what? If you don't like yours, I will take that giant hip. You know me. I'm, <laughs> I love the sassiness. Draw me with the giant hip. I don't care. All right. All right. Well, we might have to reach out to some artists after this episode because I don't want to get yelled at again by either of you. But we are here <laughs> to talk about uh, Wakanda Forever, which, of course, over the weekend made $180 million domestically, $330 million worldwide, and uh, truly was a remarkable film given the circumstances that surrounded the film. The fact that this movie exists in basically the same timeline that it would have had had we not had the tragic loss of Chadwick Boseman is pretty impressive. Uh, it's an impressive feat by Ryan Coogler. And regardless of maybe some of the critiques that I have of the film, it's just a, a remarkable accomplishment that we were all able to see this this past week. And so what we're going to do tonight is talk a bit about the film in a non-spoiler kind of review before we really start to dive into the meat. And that's when we'll go into spoilers. We'll give you all sorts of warning about that before we do, because this is a film that I feel like you really should try to experience in a theater. And I'll say right up at the front, I do recommend that you go and see mm -hmm. this film and check that out. Um, but B, talk to me about your kind of first impressions, non-spoiler thoughts about Wakanda Forever. Yeah. And well, first of all, I'm going to echo your thoughts. If you're thinking about going to see this, I will say on the B scale of going to see movies, it is a run, not a walk, not a job. It is a run. So you better run and go see it, baby. But uh, first off, I have been such a fan of Chadwick. And so when he passed away, 
I'm like, Lord have mercy, what are they going to do with Black Panther? Because the first time I saw him in like the Marvel Universe, I'm like, there it is. Somebody I can really relate to, you know. And then when the first movie came out, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. So I was just amazed from set design, costuming, you know, characters, storyline, amazing. I also went to see the movie with my parents who are really huge uh, superhero fans. They grew up reading the comic books. So for me, it was so special sitting in the theater, looking at my parents, laughing and crying and, you know, really feeling the emotions they were feeling. I feel like that made the movie so much better for me. But star, we got some star performances which we'll probably get into later. But, you know, also I think it's special to me because I'm in a historically Black sorority. And so a lot of the traditions that we do in our sorority are rooted in African culture. And so again, when I'm watching Black Panther, a lot of the costuming and the dance and the song and the chants, it's rooted in African culture, even though Wakanda is not a real place. So I think you'll see a lot of that in this film and the colors and the sounds. And then you also get into a different culture. So really fun stuff. Really great movie. I'm excited to hear what you all have to say about it. And I'm ready to argue a little bit, too, because I feel like there's going to be a couple of points we might argue yeah. on. So let's get to it. <laughs> well, and you mentioned that costume design from uh, Ruth Carter. She, of course, went on to win an Academy Award, and she really called it this Afrofuturism that she brought to the screen. And so I was excited to see that again, um, that amount of color. Uh, and then it's it's interesting because... It didn't really hit us like getting to the theater. We actually got there a little bit early, went to go see this film with Jeremy, with Jacqueline and with uh, Jay from the network. And we're all kind of like sitting at the little bar area in AMC yeah. beforehand and just hanging out. And then we sit down and Jeremy turns to me and goes, I just realized this is going to be a funeral. Like, yes. And like, it's not something that I think that necessarily was on the top of mind, but, and not, not to spoil anything, but of course, like that is addressed so quickly mm -hmm. in the film and it really just dives you into it. Um, and I'll say that the, the amount of respect that mm -hmm. this cast clearly had for mm -hmm. Chadwick Boseman and the, the way that Ryan Coogler is able to, allow for his actors to grieve at the same time as moving the storyline forward was uh, pretty remarkable. I right. think some of the critiques that I've been seeing out there are more focused on things like uh, they're trying to shoehorn in too many of the additional MCU mm -hmm. properties. I do think that this is one of those films that probably could have used an edit of maybe like 20 minutes uh, because it was a longer is two hours and 45 minutes and it does do an awful lot of setup some setup that I'm extremely excited for, which we're <laughs> going to get into, uh, especially, you know, our, we got a superhero from Chicago coming to the screen and coming to Disney plus in the very near future in Riri Williams. So I'm excited about yeah. her. And my soul sister film. right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When she had, that, when she had the, the Chicago flag on her dorm room wall at MIT, I was like, yes, let's do this. Yeah. Um, it's so great to finally get Chicago represented because we have all these New Yorkers. What's with that? You know? So no, it's really cool. I can understand the critique that it was maybe dialogue heavy, maybe a little bit long. But in the end, um, this film for me, the impression that I walked away from it is that it is a absolutely beautiful tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Mm -hmm. But also it continues the tradition that Black Panther established, even with the villain Namor and um, uh, and his like... Uh, 
tribe of people talking about like those those signs of imperialism and being pushed into the water and all of these like political uh, ideas that kind of follow us through from the first Black Panther into Wakanda forever and how they're interacting with different nations around the world still trying to steal their vibranium. Like there's so many different aspects of this film that I think work in a really great way. And so I'm with you. I, I am, you know, I'm a, a fanboy for a lot of these Marvel films, but this is one that really touched me uh, in a way that I don't think any film has uh, to date. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it was a beautiful tribute, but, but Jacqueline, how about you? Um, what's your, you know, you were a couple seats down from me on your first <laughs> viewing of this. So what was your uh, first takeaway non-spoiler of Wakanda forever? I will say my most favorite thing is that any time anything like big or like exciting or we were waiting for it or sat or like anything happened, Jeremy and I did the exact same thing <laughs> every time. <laughs> Have you like ever gone to see a movie with Jeremy before? I have not. I have to see all of them now because it was oh. so fun. <laughs> Guys, it's so funny because usually we've been doing these like this tradition of um like Friday afternoon viewings, and we couldn't quite make that work this time. But I have usually Brett on one side who's trying to like take in the film and like he's trying to learn the comic book stuff and so i'll turn to him when they're like might be like a an easter egg or reveal and he's just kind of like yeah that's cool you know and then but then like jeremy like i get like marks on my leg because jeremy's grabbing my leg and just holding on to me about like different things that are happening like when uh, when and again this is light spoilers we all know that riri williams is in the show right um, right but when they ta- start talking about the scientist jeremy uh-huh. just goes like you know who that is right <laughs> you know who that is you know who right and this was like yes jeremy <laughs> yes, yes. <I> do. <laughs> you know what jeremy would probably love to go see a movie with my parents because what kills me about them they ask questions through the whole dang old thing like they ain't watching the movie <laughs> so if jeremy was there giving them you know those hints they would probably do much better than me that's like shut up i'm watching the movie <laughs> yeah absolutely. i do the but same j- thing to megan i just look at her and i'm like you, you that, that's the thing and she's like yes i know <laughs> i get very excited <laughs> But apparently no. we just got to like, if ever all of us go to the movies, it's just going to be like Megan and I are on the outside. We'll just have Jeremy and Jacqueline in the middle. And then that way they, the two of them can just have a whole conversation. It would <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, no, I really enjoyed it. It hit me a lot. I cried like four or five times, I think. Um, which I was expecting to cry at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody does. You go into it, you know, and um, it was very, very beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful movies I've seen in a really long time. Um, I always talk about how beautiful, this is going to sound terrible, but how beautiful some of Aquaman is when they're going in. And it's it's so pretty, just everything. And this one was kind of the same way, just with all of the other things that we felt like we in Wakanda and just everywhere it's so pretty and it's so well done um so I really I enjoyed that there were a lot of really really funny things that I enjoyed <laughs> I will always love Winston Duke with my entire heart <laughs> I love I, him so much I can't say what I want to say about him I know because <laughs> children are listening but best believe <laughs> I know yeah um but oh. I just I agree, Craig, that it, it could have been edited a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, there were just 
there's some talking that I didn't think was necessary. They spent too much time in one place and it could have been just, we don't need it. We know what's happening. We know Mm -hmm. this stuff. Like, even if you don't know, we know, we get it. Um, But I just think their performances from everyone were amazing. Like, I, I haven't felt that kind of, like, connection to people in these movies lately um just because you know we've had all the tv shows and Mm -hmm. there's been a couple moments but like throughout the entire movie i was engaged and like genuinely concerned and like thinking about this stuff and i really really liked that and i think everybody did such a phenomenal job um yeah it's it's hard to talk without spoiling (laughs) i know i know and we'll get into the spoilers in just a second i guess i guess to the and i i I hesitated i was trying to decide if i wanted to say this in the non-spoiler section or not and i don't want it's hard to equate two different movies but in Mm -hmm. my mind because they did try to bring in some of that like mcu timeline stuff as Mm -hmm. well it some of that came off a little bit like uh, in Age of Ultron, when they were trying to like sort of shoehorn in the next phase of the MCU, and um, yeah. there's in, in particular, there's like a bit of spoilers. There is someone that is kind of prominently in some of this film that uh, comes from a Disney Plus series, yeah. And uh, so yes. I don't want to necessarily talk about their their role until we get into the spoiler section. But again, I, I think we all kind of are in agreement here. It's a, a wonderful film to go and watch. And uh, we hope that you do go and check it out. Mm-hmm. But any final thoughts before we start spoiling this thing like crazy? I think it was a good end to phase four. And as we get into this next phase, it's about to be a wild ride. There's <laughs> Yes. There's probably about one or two times that are safe to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, right. I, had, I had to hold it the whole I film. I held it the whole film. And I was just sitting there like, oh my gosh, this movie won't stop. But yeah. It's a run, not a walk, not a jog. Again, go see it. You won't be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So with that, we are going to go right into spoiler territory. So if you have not seen the film, we suggest that you pause right now. (laughs) Go to the movie theater and go (laughs) check out Wakanda Forever because we will start spoiling this thing in three, two, one. Oh my goodness, what a film. And in particular, <laughs> I loved, uh, you know, when they're talking about bringing Namor into mm-hmm. the MCU, this is a character who first makes his appearance in Fantastic Four as a villain. But a lot of us, like, I remember growing up on comic books, I kind of remembered him as someone that was a hero. And so yeah. this provides a good redemption story for him throughout because, of course, towards the end of this film, we get the pair up of Shuri and um, yeah. of Namor mm-hmm. and kind of moving forward, we get to see that develop. I also love that they made him a mutant. You yes. know, they're kind of playing with this idea of introducing mutants yeah. throughout. Um, he, in the comics, I think, uh, and Jacqueline, I know you're also an avid reader as well. I don't, I remember him being so tied to the Fantastic Four, but I don't necessarily remember the label of mutant ever being used on him. Um, I don't I'm either. Sure someone is probably like, I've read every Namor comic <laughs> yeah. ever. 
Um, and even the name pronunciation, which is kind of funny because yeah. like, we don't get a lot of like representation of him in film. And so I didn't a hundred percent know if it Namor, which is what I've always called him or Namor. And I think right. even in the non-spoiler, I even said Namor because, uh, but now we kind of know, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like how they put that in there, how they like kind of gave him that little story. And it wasn't too long. No. I always hate when they give you the backstory of somebody and it takes, I'm like, okay, we get it. Like they're, <laughs> they had a hard childhood, yada, 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 move on. But this one, it didn't take too long. And it just kind of explained quickly everything that happened, explained why his name is and just moved on from there. Um, but I really like that. I will say when he first shows up, when <laughs> Shuri and Queen Ramonda are there, I giggled as soon as I saw his feet. I knew it was coming. I know he's got the winged angles, but I was like, Bloom. and Jeremy looked at me. I was like, don't worry. I knew it was coming. I just couldn't help it. It just well, it just provided uh for a brutal scene later where he gets yeah. those ripped off from <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that had to hurt. But but yeah. no, he um he's someone that we didn't necessarily focus a lot in the and clearly I we need to get to Letitia Wright, we need to get to all these other characters yeah. that that play such a prominent role. Um, but I do want to maybe start because I mentioned Namor first, our villain here. Mm-hmm. Um he needs to be in order to be successful in this film, I feel like he has a lot of weight on his shoulders because Eric yeah. Killmonger was one of the best villains in the Marvel Cinematic Absolutely. Universe. And in fact, again, we're in the spoiler section, but when Shuri goes to the ancestral plane and runs into Michael B. Jordan and Eric <laughs> Killmonger, it's just like I, immediately it's like it was a job dropping moment. He steals like it's it's like he steals back the movie and he's in it yeah. for three minutes, B, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was very, I remember sitting in a theater and it was like quiet at this point because we're expecting, again, if you're listening now, you should know the spoilers are coming. At this point, the Queen Mother has passed on. You know, Mm. she's gone. So we're thinking, Shuri, when she gets to the plane, she's going to see her mama. But no, it's Michael B. Jordan. And we're like, everybody in theater, we're like, oh my God. And everybody just started cracking up laughing. But, you know, to me... These characters did a really good job of, I think Jacqueline said earlier, making you care about them. Mm-hmm. Like you really just sat there and understood. Like with villains, I usually am like, oh no, they're just bad. I, I don't want anything to do with them. But I felt that rage and I felt that pain that this villain felt. Mm-hmm. You know, it was understandable to me. And I almost was like, maybe Wakanda and all of y'all should team up. I was starting to get like that because it is so understandable that, you know, the bad Americans <laughs> we're about uh-huh. to come and be yeah. greedy and try to steal some vibranium. So it's like, we all need to kind of, you know, get together. And, you know, another scene I want to bring up right now, since we're talking about the uh, villain and we're talking about the underwater city, as I like to say. Telecom, yeah. Yeah. Did you all remember the scene kind of at the beginning when the Coast Guard was out in the middle of the ocean and you hear like these weird singing in the background and at first I thought it was a score but I realized no those are sirens oh no mm-hmm. oh no they're about to die mm-hmm. and to me that was another powerful moment because I'm like they did such a good job with making you think this is just background noise and it played into the story in such a big way yeah. it did and it came up later and even like when they were fighting with Wakanda and I think that that's what's interesting about Namor as Namor Namor, Namor. Whatever, <laughs> as a as a villain here is that 
it so parallels the path that Wakanda is on as well. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's this idea of some like imperialist outsider Mm -hmm. that's trying to steal a precious resource from these people that really just want to be left alone. And and so (laughs) it's, um, it's really interesting that uh, we get this dynamic. And I think that that's what works so well. And that's why I think that you will get uh, in the future kind of this team up uh, Mm -hmm. between the two uh, between the two worlds, really. And yeah. I think that that's going to be really interesting to see where we go yeah. from there. Wait, real um, quick, wait, did, did yeah, you all get any love vibes from Shuri and Namor? Because everybody on social media has been standing this couple, and I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, so as the man of this conversation, I'm not allowed <laughs> to say any opinion here. I'm going to butt out of this and let the women speak. Um, so... Jacqueline, why don't you take that hand grenade from B and run with it? I'm going to take it. I'm going to throw it. Um, So I think I get why all of the internet is obsessed with it, but I wish they would just leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody needs a love interest. That's true. It does not matter. And it like, it makes me really angry when they try to give like the main woman yes. of interest especially if it's like the ba- i'm like she can be great on her own why can't she be alone yeah, yeah. and to me like, i didn't really get those vibes i felt like they no. connected on a whole different level both of them had dealt with loss both of them had dealt with the you know the heaviness of having to lead a nation basically mm-hmm. so they connected on a whole different level they both have this resource that everybody else wants they're both places where people want to come and conquer and so they have that in common. So I feel like they connected on that level. But on a love level, I'm like, are we watching the same movie? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's be real here. Like, I, you know, if if Anna were to have killed my mom, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure I would have ended up married to her. You know, like, <laughs> I also think that's that fair. That's, <laughs> I think that's out there, right? You know? That's fair. Well, and it's one of those things. People will take any sort of intimate connection and make it yes. romantic. Yes. And that's not what it is. They just understand each other because of who they are as people. Yes. It has nothing to do with romantic interest or anything like that. Okay. I thought I was tripping. So I just wanted to yeah. clear that no. up. So, I, okay. We're on the same page. I'm out. <laughs> okay. being, the, being the guy here, like, give me an Umbaku Shuri relationship all day. Uh, that's where I'm at with that. But, but anyway. <laughs> give uh, me an Umbaku <laughs> me relationship every day. Period. Period. <laughs> And Baku can be Shuri's big brother. He is her wisdom. too big brothery for that. That's that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're but Jacqueline, right. I'm all for you taking Mbaku. You know that that's all you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Any day. <laughs> so let's talk about. Um, let's move on to Shuri now, and let's talk about Letitia Wright because this is interesting. Um, I was listening to an award season podcast that I like to listen to called Little Golden Men. It's by Vanity Fair. And they come at all of this from the awards perspective, the artistic perspective. They really covered Wakanda forever because Black Panther had received the Best Picture nomination. And so they're really looking at it from that lens. They're they're taking away all the Marvel from it. In fact, they said like, well, this is, you know, uh, Black Panther was a more elevated Marvel picture and all that. You know, like they get kind of high and mighty about it. But I thought it was interesting because they said that the death of Chadwick Boseman and making sure you have to go through that grief and that death basically 
changed her character in such a way because she was the spunky, smart sister Mm -hmm. that everybody Mm -hmm. loved in Black Panther. And now she's like the grieving kind of warrior that has to to become king, become queen, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, but, you know, I I think I push back on that because to me and clearly I would much rather have Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa still. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But absolutely. in terms of the story that Ryan Coogler had to try to put together here, I think that to me, the story arc of her going through this grief, almost like she's us, right? Like she is dealing with the death of her brother in a way that like, we're all trying to process throughout this entire film, right? Yeah. Like, it, and so I think it's actually like the darker places that she goes and the fact that she sees Killmonger on the plane and everything else, like to me, that is how the character has to be in this mm-hmm. kind of a film or in this kind of a moment. Am I wrong? I'll go to Jacqueline first. Cause I've been going to be a lot, but what are your thoughts on that? No, I agree completely. I think that Shuri is, yes, she's the star of the film, but it's really, she is the vessel that we are. Like she is our vessel into this world, into this universe. And her processing everything is us having to do that like you said Mm -hmm. like not only does she have to figure out like she's trying to help save her brother which nobody could do which we couldn't do with Chadwick because Mm -hmm. nobody knew he was sick um then they have to figure out this whole new thing and she's like nope I'm just gonna put it aside and I'm gonna do all this other stuff which is what we do we have all these Mm -hmm. other properties and we're like we're just not gonna touch this one for a while until we figure out what we want to do with it you know, this grief pocket that we have over here. Um, But then it's like, no, you have to deal with this right now. It's happening. It's here. And then her mom died. And she has to figure that out too. And she goes through just like all of these cycles. And I personally never thought that Killmonger was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) If we're being completely... That makes the best feelings, right? I feel that. You know, I... Yes. Did he go about it the wrong way? Absolutely. Probably. <laughs> Were his, like, the reasonings behind it wrong? No. So her having that conversation with him when they're in the ancestral plane and everything makes total sense because she, all she wants is to have her family back and she wants to do, you know, have revenge and do all of that. And he's like, yeah, do that because this is what you want. And and I just, I, Yeah. <laughs> I could keep talking for like hours. No, 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 no. I, but I think that you're, I mean, you're making really good points as well that I just think that like this character and how they brought her to like, there, there's moments that you're tested as well. And so Mm -hmm. it's for her to just go from the spunky kid that we came to know in Mm -hmm. black Panther, but then also in infinity war in particular, like those scenes that she had with Bruce Banner and with, uh, with Tony Stark in Mm -hmm. infinity war to take her from that to being someone that's worthy of Mm -hmm. becoming black Panther, I think, and in leading the nation of Wakanda, I think that that takes a bit of growth as well Mm -hmm. and so i think that it is provided in this in this way i think that it doesn't feel i mean you know i mean she's the obvious choice for someone who's going to become 
the Black Panther when you look mm-hmm. at it from like a, okay, what's the story going to be? Are they mm-hmm. going to go with, um, you know, th- there was thoughts out there for like a second, like, wouldn't it be cool if uh, Queen Ramonda and Angela Bassett uh, took the mantle? <laughs> and and then you heard rumors about like, what if they bring back Killmonger or mm-hmm. uh, Mbaku is out there and he's already challenged the throne once. And um which, by the way, I want to go back. I want to circle back to that at some yes. point. Like the the, the <laughs> challenge that happens at the end of this yeah. film is very confusing for Craig. But <laughs> but going back to Shuri and Letitia Wright. But but B, what are your thoughts on her character development and character growth? Well, I think Jacqueline said it perfectly. I mean, and having to process just the amount of grief. And I, I know, you know, in my head, I'm like, I shouldn't be this upset because I didn't know this man personally. But to me, he was just, he was Black Panther. And, and you know, I had seen him in so many other things. But I think Sherry's character also shows what it takes to be a great leader. And, you know, great leaders, they have struggle. They're not perfect. They go through all the regular things everybody else goes through. But the one thing I think they did was show that as a great leader, you must have compassion and mercy. and You have to have some wisdom. And she really struggled with that until the very end when she just decided to spare a life. And, you know, and that's not easy for some people. It is in that moment. It probably would have been easier for her to just kill. But it's so great restraint and strength for her to say, hey, let's put this aside. Let's say both of our people, because remember, both of their armies were fighting at that point in the movie, and they were dying. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is silly. So you got to see them, you got to see her really go through that thought process. And so as a leader, I need to show compassion, mercy, wisdom, let's spare as many lives as we can at this point. I will say that uh, if you look at that, that ship, uh, Namor's people, were, <laughs> the, the Wakandans were in yeah. a bad place. They was getting tore up. <laughs> they, were, they were getting tore up. <laughs> yeah, they were, but, there was not a lot of room left uh, before they were no. going to be in that water uh, for sure. But no, I, I, I do agree. And I, I think that that's where she makes the break from Killmonger, right? Like mm-hmm. Killmonger in that, in that uh, particular area, like in that thought process, probably tries to make the world burn. And she takes a step back and decides that perhaps this could be even a powerful ally in the end uh, as well. But I I thought Letitia Wright overall uh, just really delivered this in a way. And I know that there's been some outside politics to to her and Mm -hmm. some of her uh, personal beliefs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just think that at some point you have to separate art from artist in a lot of these discussions and conversations, especially uh, you also got to give people room to heal. These Mm -hmm. last like two years have been Mm -hmm. insane Mm -hmm. uh, for all of us. And so um, I think that she did a a remarkable job here. I do want to talk about some of the other characters as well and make sure we discuss them in particular. Can can we, can, can I suggest that we go to next? Sure, sure. (laughs) I would love to go to Angela Bassett. That's who I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, come on. She's currently uh, heard nightly on Main Street USA and Walt Disney World as well uh, as part as in, of Disney's enchantment. Um, and so talk about Angela Bassett here. And I was not expecting a Queen Ramonda death in this no, film. 
Yeah, no. I knew it was going to no. happen. It was so surprising. Okay. I was waiting for it. We had to have something else happen. <laughs> I was waiting for it. That was like the icing on the cake for me, though. At that point, I'm like, can I just leave out the theater because my heart <laughs> is not strong enough? But seriously, if Angela Bassett does not get nominated for this movie, I would be very, very surprised because uh, me and my mother discussed this, too. She really helped that movie in the in the first parts move. She mm-hmm. kept it moving because like you all were saying, this is a long movie and you had a lot of emotional things to get through, like the funeral, the death, the, the you know, bringing on all these new characters. She really helps the pace into this movie and the way she delivered the emotion. You saw not just emotion, control, intensity, that side of things. And she gets to deliver one of the most heartbreaking parts in this movie when she's telling Okoye she can't be general anymore. That scene oh, right God, there broke scene. me on oh. both sides. But Angela delivers it so well. I about it. Oh right my now. gosh. Oh. Have I not lost enough? Everybody in that theater, it was silent. I mean, come on now. Give that but was she right moment. in that moment? And that was, that was what was so hard about it for me because like you understand that she's a grieving mother as well yeah. and that like she was, you know, she was convinced by Okoye to go to allow her daughter to go to leave Wakanda mm-hmm. to find this scientist who ends up being Riri and um but and I understand all that but like mm-hmm. on some level your general is also your general like you you need to allow them to make decisions mm-hmm. and make mistakes as well so that's what I was like that scene gutted me in a way because I was so torn. I was like, I was on both. I saw both perspectives so clearly yeah. and talk yeah. about like good writing to be able to do oh, that. Yeah. You know, right? And the acting was done so well. I mean, oh, Angela had, God. I think even some of the actors were so stunned by how silent and how she commanded just everybody around here. Like you could feel the emotion and the rage just bubbling up inside of her for a minute there. I thought Wakanda was real and this was the real queen. And Sherry's was her real daughter and things had went wrong. And then I I felt for Okoye. She was down on her knees like, I gave up my husband for you all. I mean, he's in jail because when you look at the first movie and she was married to Daniel Kalua's character, Wakobi, I think is his name. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was like, you gonna kill me? And she said, for Wakanda, baby, I'm sorry. This is my home. So when you see them- she wasn't sorry. she She wasn't sorry about it. And that is the most heartbreaking part of that scene for me, because it's like, I feel like Craig said, I feel for each one of them. But Angela Bassett, she just kept that story moving from the time she even saved Riri later on in the film when um, Namor, we need to figure out how to say this man name right. But <laughs> they say Namor in the Namor. listeners understand. That you know who we're talking Namor. about. Yeah. It when he, like he floods basically the palace and Riri and the queen are in there. And I don't think Riri really knew how to swim and she's knocked unconscious and the queen saves her and she dies in the process. Mm-hmm. When I say I was howling and, you know, Angela Bassett, learned, I think all the actors had to learn how to hold their breaths and how to learn how to swim mm-hmm. uh, just to do this. I heard Ryan Coogler even learned how to swim to be able to do this thing. So really remarkable work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you like it's it's silly to be like Angela Bassett was good in this film because it's <laughs> Angela Bassett. Like, you know what right. I mean? Like, um, she's just an incredible actress, and mm-hmm. 
the the heart that she even like in the UN speech because we have to like so what I like about Wakanda forever is that it it starts to bring the MCU to lower stakes and some people Mm -hmm. didn't like that about it some people wanted like they they want these like world crises every single film but it's interesting because the end of black panther you have to deal with the fact that the very last scene of black panther is t'challa essentially announcing to the world that wakanda is going to give out their vibranium Mm -hmm. they're going to open their gates and they're going to start using vibranium they're going to give the technology to the world and so you have to deal with the fact that Romanda is going to take that and kind of isolate themselves again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so even that scene at the u.n with Richard Schiff, by the way, a West Wing alum. And I was like, Toby. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyway, I so I love Toby. Anyway, uh, but like you see that with them and she explains so well, like, well, I was, we were going to do this, but uh, I've now lost my son and you are now stealing the vibranium mm-hmm. that we said we would help like nurture to the world. And mm-hmm like those scenes even were so powerful because she's just so damn good at what she does. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. I really, yeah, I absolutely. I I love all of that. Jacqueline, you got any, anything else on Angela Bassett that you want to mention? I really just love her. You know, I felt for Akoi in that scene when she's like, no beer done, but I'm 100% Queen Ramona. I'm on that side. Not only did her daughter get kidnapped and she has no idea if she's alive, but Akoi is one of the ones who convinced her to let Killmonger be there. And look what happened. Like, you know, yes, you're allowed to make mistakes, but you also have to be held accountable for those mistakes. And that's accountability and i just she performed that so well Mm -hmm. so so well so let's talk about uh let's transition from the wakanda side of this story and start to talk about the future building of the mcu which is maybe the part of it that i think could have you know when they started these disney plus series kevin feige said he really sees them as a continuation of everything in the MCU that the we're going to see the Disney plus shows referenced in film. You're going to get that a lot in uh, the Marvels that are coming up like Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel are going to be in the same film. Um, and you're also going to be able to see references from the movies directly into Disney plus, which is the introduction of Riri Williams here. Um, mm-hmm. But let I, I think that this is maybe the part of the film that people have the hardest time with because they feel like this is, and again, I come back to just the, the the discussion I listened to today from Little Gold Men. They said like the corporate overlords were like, you mm-hmm. have to put this in the film. I don't know if I if I if if I go that far. I will say the Everett Ross um, stuff was got to be a little bit much for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, like yeah. does she need to be as featured in this film? Yeah. I can understand that. But I do want to go and talk about Dominique Thorne and Riri Williams and this wonderful character that we're given because I thought she did an amazing job in this film. Like you get this MIT, like this, again, it's hard to like discern who is supposed to be the smartest person in the MCU. Is it mm-hmm. Shuri? Is it Bruce Banner? Is it uh, Tony Stark? Well, 
RIP Tony Stark. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, who is it? But Riri Williams definitely right there with them all for potentially the smartest person around. And she's solving these things and, and coming up with this technology at, uh, while she's in college at MIT. And of course, she has all that Chicago love with her as well. We're going to see her a ton. She's got her own Disney Plus series coming mm-hmm. out in Armor Wars. Don Cheadle is going to join uh, the cast of that as well. So I'm excited for that uh, show. And then she's going to be a huge factor, I think, in the Kang Dynasty and all of these um, kind of moving forward within the phases. This is the, the next wave of these major stars and heroes that we're going to see. And so, uh, B, I'll start with you. What do you think about the inclusion of Riri in this film and uh, Dominique Thorne? And kind of the, this is the first time we get to see her as this character. Are you excited about her as this character? So I liked her as a character. I thought she did an awesome job. And it was really cool to see another Black woman, you know, represented in the MCU. However, this was one of my critiques of the film and of Marvel in general right now. So Marvel, if you're listening, please forgive me. I still love y'all. However, (laughs) I feel like they're trying to push out so many shows and movies. We're kind of cramming too many things into one movie and not even just with this movie I've seen it in other movies happening I know we're trying to end this phase and we're trying to like you say get into the Kang dynasty and we're getting into this multiverse of madness if you will but Mm -hmm. I think we need to focus on what we need to be focusing on if the movie is about Black Panther and this passing of the mantle I think it should have stayed that way now that being said I'm excited for the Disney Plus show to come out I think really we're just I think Marvel is setting itself up to be in what I like to call the passing of the mantle phase we saw it with Captain America now what's happening with Black Panther in more than one way I guess we'll go, we're going to talk about the mid uh credit scene too it's happening with oh kind of the, yeah it's kind of happening with the last to? Spider-Man <laughs> we got to talk about it you saw it in the last Spider-Man though they're kind of passing the mantle to Tom Holland and then Yelena with the Black Widow stuff and then the Hawkeye show. You saw we get past to the other girl because I didn't watch the show, so I don't know her name. So uh, <laughs> sorry about that. And then with She-Hulk, you know, the mantle's getting kind of passed to her. Not saying Hulk is going away, but we're seeing all these new characters and these new iterations of these characters. And so I feel like with the Riri stuff, it would have been nice just to focus solely on her. And I felt like it kind of distracted from the movie a bit. And that was one of my biggest criticisms. I get what Marvel is trying to do, but I think they may be biting off a little bit too much right now. You know, I, I totally, I can totally see that point. And I think that that's maybe the 20 minutes that I'm talking about. Like, I, I love Martin Freeman as much as I can love any uh, Watson, uh, Bilbo mm. Baggins out there. But yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, like maybe him and then also Julia Louise Dreyfus, who's coming in from her turn in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm. as the longest name ever, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. <laughs> Just call uh, her Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Elaine in the MCU. And I understand that they've got to build up Thunderbolts. I know that they are starting to do this kind of like this other Avengers um, and they're starting to, they're going to start to do that. But does that need to be in this film? I'm not sure that it does. I think Riri does. I like, I like what you're saying. I love that they've included her in this because 
in order to be able to like launch an entire Disney mm-hmm. Plus series, people are going to be confused as to, okay, well, Riri Williams, like, does she know Tony Stark? Like, how does mm-hmm. she have the Iron Man suit? This explains all of that in very like easy terms uh, for people to understand that Ironheart is just this smart kid that took the Stark tech and kind of made mm-hmm. it her own, right? And so I love all that. I'm not sure that I need all the Julia Louise Dreyfus and uh, and all of that in this film. But Jacqueline, what do you think? Are you with me and B? Or are you kind of like, are you okay with what they did in this? Oh, film you think we're Martin crazy? And all <laughs> yeah. Are, are we are we wrong, Jacqueline? <laughs> you know, I don't think that they are necessarily completely wrong. Uh oh. Okay. Uh, Give it to us. Okay. Give it to uh, us. What office are you running for there, Jacqueline? That was a politician answer <laughs> if I've ever heard. Sure of. was. Um, I'm the president of the Craig McFarland is a bully club, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, so I I like the sprinklings that we have gotten of Julia Louis Dreyfus in the TV shows. I like those. It helps connect them to the universe as a whole. It sets the stuff up for the Thunderbolts. Like we all, you know, that kind of thing. Do I think it was necessary to have her as in this movie as she was? No. It could have been a real quick scene. It could have been the second end credit scene. You know, we've had three or four before. Like it's, you can do more than one end credit scene. It happens. Um do I like that they threw Morgan, Fre- Morgan Freeman, Martin Freeman in there? Totally different people. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> he might be in the next film. We don't know. <laughs> um, I like that they threw him in there because I love him and Shuri together. It's one of my favorite things, like their interactions with each other. It's just great. It makes me laugh. But it's not super necessary for the movie. Do I think they spent too much time in the water with the blue people and that could have been the 20 minutes they cut out absolutely but that's just because i need people to get over the whole blue people in the water thing we got a whole nother movie coming out with blue people in the water yeah i'm not about that one Uh, oh oh, okay but i do love riri and i think I think she's important to this movie and I think that it's good that she was there. Like you guys said, it sets her up without just like her randomly showing up somewhere Mm -hmm. without it being super like extemporaneous and like, Oh, here's this random other storyline that we're going to throw in. Like she makes sense and it flows really well Mm -hmm. or what they've in the past thrown a new character and they're like, Oh, we're also going to do this. Like that (laughs) doesn't make sense. This one made sense. It worked. Um, And I honestly wasn't the most excited for Ironheart when they announced it i was like oh okay like that'll be another thing i'll watch it obviously but after seeing this movie i'm like yes no i have to watch that i'm very excited she is so funny and i i can't wait for it she reminds me of me a little bit (laughs) just the sassiness the chicago (laughs) sassiness i'm like this is gonna be real fun (laughs) and like her with uh don Cheadle is gonna be like i don't know it's gonna be be a blast i think it's uh, gonna be so good i'm excited for that show for sure and I, I think that I I can see your point, Jacqueline, that you still do need to world build a little bit, but I just feel like maybe like tone it down a little bit on the world yeah. building. And like you said, could be potentially an in credit scene, which we didn't get an actual in credit scene. We only got the mid credit scene. Um, so I think, you know, those are the those are the actors I wanted to talk about or the characters. And then I also want to um, mention this film's beautiful. I think you mentioned that, Jacqueline, that it 
Ryan Coogler knows how to shoot a film. I mean, go back yeah. and watch even like Creed. Creed yes. is so like it's one of my favorite films. Uh, yeah. It is so well done. And actually it's cemented like Michael B. Jordan as my mm-hmm. favorite up and coming, well, up and coming actor. I just mean like, I have all these actors that are like a billion years old now, like Tom Hanks and Harrison Ford and all that. But like Michael B. Jordan, I'm so glad he's like only slightly older than me because I get to watch him for the rest of my life, uh, which is wonderful. <laughs> but, but no, like uh, it's beautifully shot, but I'm wondering if maybe there's a couple of scenes or anything like that, that we want to mention before we kind of get into any final t- thoughts on uh, discussion about like things we would have changed about the film, but B, is there anything in particular that you wanted to point out as a favorite scene or something that was just interesting to you? Um, I love all the scenes with M'Baku in this movie, and I'm not and just saying. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I'm not just saying that because um, he's a very attractive man. And if my fiance is listening to this, please forgive me. But um, <laughs> he in this film brought a lot of wisdom. I think we didn't get from him in the last film, so I even thought you saw his growth as a character. But also, he delivers the. Everybody was cracking up when he called Okoye what a bald headed demon, demon or something. And yeah. my daddy said, "Oh no, he did it!" And then we were all laughing and everything. So that was a favorite. Even though I felt bad because I kind of felt like they were picking on her a little bit in this film. Um, but I also love the scene, of course, when Michael B. Jordan shows up. To me, that was like, "You're not supposed to be here, but you are here." But I also really like the funeral scenes. Um, Mm. Usually in funerals, you know, it's very customary to wear black, but they had on white. And in the black church, we like to say, this isn't a funeral. This is a celebration of life. And so I felt like when they, the costume again, when they had on that all white and, and, you know, in Wakanda, they don't believe people just die. Mm. And so it really brought that, this is a celebration of life thing. Really, it really just showed it. The dancing. And, you know, in African culture, a lot of how they used to communicate during times of slavery or during times of, you know, different things that went on in African and African-American culture. We communicated through a lot of dance and song and stomping and shouting. And so I think just having those little things in there for me, it just makes it even more real because, you know, we still have some of those traditions. Again, I'm in a black historically black sorority. We communicate and do different things through song and chant and dance. And so in those funeral scenes, when I saw that, I'm like, wow, this is like, it was just so beautiful to me. So even though it was a sad scene, just seeing them in white and seeing them dancing and seeing these traditions, it was so beautiful. Mm, Absolutely. And I mean, it was just like, it was so impactful to start the film. And then we get the Marvel credit scene. And Mm -hmm. I think that this was one of the Marvel first only Marvel credit scenes that didn't have music behind it. I Mm -hmm. think that they did it one other time. Was that maybe for Endgame or something like that, that, that potentially didn't have music behind it. But of course it was all Chadwick in the, um, the montage with, uh, with Marvel and just, it it was a, it was a way to start a film. I think the the way that they had to start the film. Right. Um, But I, I would say that uh, for me to see uh, Tatla Khan, the way that it was, I, Mm. I was really impressed with how they handled the water. And I will say uh, Jacqueline that it's not because I'm a DC (laughs) hater, but I have never seen Aquaman. Um, I keep falling asleep during it, so it's not that great. Fight me. Okay, well, here's the deal. There's there's two pretty things about it, okay? 
I watched uh, I watched Justice League, and I was not into Jason Momoa Aqua Bro. And I just like at that point, I was just like, if that if he's just going to play this like a surfer dude, I don't need this in my life. Um, That's fair. Again, Jason Momoa is fantastic to look at. Um, that's oh, not as big of a draw for me. Very <laughs> handsome. As, Very uh, handsome. You. Uh, but anyway, so I thought that like seeing that and seeing those scenes, and again, I, this is a talky talky film. I actually mentioned it to somebody that like, I love Kevin Smith, but this is like the Kevin Smithiest of Marvel movies because they just talk in this whole film. Like there's hardly any action except for a couple of set pieces. But like uh, the, the conversations between Shuri and Namor like to kind of explain each other and like, start to understand why each other uh, are doing what they're doing. I thought those were really interesting. And uh, I do, I probably will enjoy these blue people more than James Cameron's blue people as well. Um, but <laughs> any scenes that you wanted to mention, Jacqueline? Um, I agree with B about the funeral. Um, it was beautiful. I also agree about um, seeing Killmonger. Anytime they go into the ancestral plane, I get so excited because it's yes. so pretty. And it reminds me, it's terrible. It reminds me so much of the Lion King and I have a thing with the Lion King. I love it. But it's just, it's so pretty. Um, but I also, I like the action-y parts of things. So I really, really liked when they are like try- fleeing from the police and then Namor and his people come and it's Riri and Shuri and Akoi. Like, I love their fight and the spear with the car and just all that whole thing. I loved it. I loved it so much. Driving a car with the spear. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Like, okay. Um, but yeah, well, we really talked about the mid- any of them. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just. That's it. No, I don't want to bully you, certainly. So please, uh, whatever. That's a first. Exactly. You take up space. Say what you want to say. <laughs> I just, anytime that people are like fighting and having the action sequences, I enjoy it. Let's talk I about agree. that mid credit scene because we've brought it up a couple of times. And, um, you know, this is where we get Nakia to talk. Like, we figure out why she wasn't at the funeral. And uh, Lapita Nyong'o does, uh, of course, like, a wonderful job here of, like, kind of bringing us into that that world and into Haiti and uh, is bringing Shuri along with. This is where I'm a little confused as far as, like, and this is maybe when, like, the stuff that didn't work for me, I don't understand what's going on. Like, who currently is the leader of Wakanda? Is it M'Baku because he challenged Shuri and she wasn't there? Like, I'm very confused about how that happened, and maybe someone smarter than me can explain that. (laughs) Well, Um, listen, I'll explain it to you. So Okay, okay. Go ahead, enlighten us. No, from what I understand... Which somebody can tell me I'm wrong, but you're not on this podcast right now, so I'm going to be right. Period. (laughs) (laughs) From what I can tell, because Shuri left, she's not there to accept the challenge. M'Baku is king. Okay. Boiling it down very, very. Correct. Correct. There's a difference between being the king and there's a different and and Black Panther. They're, They're separate entities. Okay. otherwise okay. the queen otherwise when the queen was in charge she would have been black panther you know that's very true mm-hmm. yes good, mm-hmm. good point okay all right so that all checks out i'm glad that again someone smarter than me is on this show so um but let's talk <laughs> about that mid-credit scene because i think that we all kind of like died a little inside when this wonderful boy was just like <laughs> 
can you keep secrets? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, it's not really my name. Well, it's your name. Prince T'Challa. 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 Like, <laughs> uh, just like tears. holy God. Because people wanted to know how you, because in the comics, you know, like we live in this world where like in the MCU and in the comics, no one's dead. Yeah. Like, right. like the only people that are dead, it used to be the joke that the dead people in the comics were Uncle Ben and Bucky Barnes. You know what they did to Bucky Barnes? They brought him back. So <laughs> they um, kept bringing him so, back. <laughs> right. So really, Uncle Ben is like the only person in all of the comics that has always stayed dead. Right. And so like people were saying, okay, well, particularly this film and what it meant and, you know, again, B, please chime in here. Um, But what I kept hearing from a lot of Black podcasters Mm -hmm. and people that were um, following this was, I understand that we have to be reverent to Chadwick Boseman and that he died. But we also do have to understand that Black Panther was more than Chadwick Boseman and that his impact on this film um, and in this culture, like we can't just stop the idea of Black Panther. I agree. Right. And And so I almost feel like this is, almost the perfect way to have handled this from um from that perspective to say that this young boy is t'challa and so young boy to be named later like it gives you time to be able to like give some distance from the death of chadwick boseman before that name potentially comes again and is um really asserting themselves as someone that could be in this cinematic universe or maybe never happens. Maybe this is it. Maybe that's like his son, uh, T'Challa's son, who he's given his name to is going to live his days in Haiti with his mother. And that's his purpose, you know, like, but still, I just, I, I thought that that was a really, cause like you clearly can't just be like, okay. Um, you know, we mentioned Don Cheadle earlier. Like we, we can't have just like Rhodey, you know, changes actors. Um, and we can't just do that either. So I thought that this was a really interesting way. Well, Terrence Howard missed this. the bag on that one, but <laughs> I would say so. But you know what? He went in on to make, make Empire. So I think he's doing that's okay. right. He's one of my favorite actors. So whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I think at some point it was going to have to be addressed that there needs to be another Black Panther. Maybe Shuri has to go back and actually lead and can't be the Black Panther anymore. We don't know. But I don't think Marvel was going to just drop it. But one thing I, you know, thought when I was watching this, I'm like, they must have had this baby before everybody got snapped away because Chadwick got uh, snapped away. Well, T'Challa got snapped away during uh, the whole Endgame Infinity War stuff. So I was kind of thinking about that. But correct me if I'm wrong. Because you guys are the experts on this, okay? And don't chew my head off. But in the comic books, didn't T'Challa and Storm from X-Men have a child? Weren't they married? Yes. So I wonder at some point when, if Marvel decides to bring the X-Men into the MCU, will this this become (laughs) a thing? Or like, I'm just wondering how they plan to address that. I don't think they're going to address it in that way. But I think this is them saying, yes, we know in the comics he has a son. Yeah. We're going to use that as the vessel to continue, you know, like Mm -hmm. 
kind of mixing the two, you know, what Craig said and then what you're saying, like kind of doing that. That's what I thought anyway. Yeah. Um, I will say that we did not get nearly enough Lupita Nyong'o in this movie. <laughs> I agree she wholeheartedly. She was fantastic. And I will watch her all the time. Yes. I love her and everything. <laughs> so great. But. She came in, um, and I agree with you, but she did come in and like, she, she has such a presence in this film that like, she's so memorable, even though she's in it for such a, a short amount of the runtime, much like Michael B. Jordan. I mean, the guy yeah. is in it for three minutes and he like, again, he, he like, stole the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and what he was able to do to, to channel Killmonger again, um, Speaking of which, oh my God, Creed 3. I'm so pumped, you guys. I'm so pumped for Creed 3. <laughs> anyway, but it, it's it, it's just a very, it comes back to what we were talking about way at the beginning of this podcast, that Ryan Coogler had to thread this needle to say, okay, we're going to take this film. It's going to be basically on the same release schedule that it would have been anyway. Chadwick dies. And then I have to rewrite this entire thing because mm -hmm. clearly uh, it's a completely different story if yeah. he's alive. And now I also have to thread this needle of like introducing this other really prominent black character into the MCU through this film and through this vessel. And like, I, I just, I tip my hat to him because yeah. I mean, this guy it's incredible the films that he's done. And if you're a Marvel fan and you haven't gone and watched Fruitvale Station and you haven't gone and watched Creed, you are missing some amazing directing like yeah. throughout. Like, I mean, I know it sounds like silly that a, a Rocky movie can be like this great piece of art, but it's awesome. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, and then Fruitvale Station, talk about a great acting role for Michael B. Jordan. I mean, these guys, the fact that they're like best friends is just benefit to all of us for the yeah. rest of our lives, Absolutely, um, which is I really cool. So, uh, but you know, this is the part of the, the episode where we tend to go into things that maybe didn't work for us. And I almost feel like we've addressed a lot of those potentially mm -hmm. um, in the length of it. And, and for me, I will come back to the idea that Everett Ross is probably in this film for longer than he needs to be i don't need a run through the woods with him i don't need a car ride i don't need to figure out who his ex-wife is like i don't need any of that stuff and i think that trims this movie down to about 230 and that seems about right for me maybe cut some of the dialogue here and there because it is a bit of a wordy script but um you know i'm also some schmuck from springfield so i'm not like <laughs> uh, thinking that i'm like some some director of a uh, best picture nominee either. So, but uh, Jacqueline, what do you think? Is there anything else that you wanted to mention that didn't quite work for you? So I was initially very excited because we saw, you know, we got a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of our midnight angels and I would like more. They didn't do it just, I was just like, that was one of the things that Jeremy and I both were just like, <laughs> when we saw it <laughs> and I just just wanted just a little bit more like I I am hopeful but if they were gonna bring it in I wish that it had been a little bit better and a little yeah. bit of it you know like it was it felt very much like oh let's just toss this little guy in here just for some fun well, so. and why don't you explain for maybe the the non-comic literate among the listeners? yes please enlighten let me let me get the whole thing up so that I don't mess it up. 
So <laughs> the Midnight Angels are kind of what the, the Black Widows are to, you know, but in Wakanda. So their suits will say fairly accurate. So that was pretty cool. Um, but it starts with Aneka and Io, which we saw. Yes. Um, but I just I wanted them to be a little bit more badass. I wanted them to be a little bit just like there for reasons. I will say though that they do hang out with Wade Wilson, so I'm excited if that happens because Deadpool just shows up wherever he wants to anyway now. So <laughs> that would be really, really fun. Um, but yeah, it just they are the secret assassins of wakanda they have a quinjet at one point they get um all of that business but i just yeah i wish it had been a little bit more of a purpose instead of oh we know people are going to be excited about it let's throw it in there mm-hmm. absolutely like a little <laughs> east too too easter eggy for you yeah, um, yeah. i didn't even easter know eggs that died a little bit more right uh, per, or perhaps. either either be a little bit more hidden Mm-hmm. Or a little bit more obvious. It was like right on the edge. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Be anything that you wanted to mention before we start to wrap this thing up? No, I think I covered it all. For me, it was the length, pacing, some of the, I get why Marvel is setting things up the way they are. But like I said, we're about to get into a new phase, new multiverse, new mantles of characters, new things. So to me, still a solid movie, but there was a lot going on. Speaking of new phases and everything else, I will say that, um, and I, I kind of referenced this a little bit earlier, but I love me some Marvel, but I was so glad that this had nothing to do with a multiverse. I was like, Same. <laughs> I was yeah. like I'm, I'm ready for just a break from that, but we are going to go right into the multiverse. We're uh, going into the quantum realm next yes. for our next Marvel film and that's going to be uh, ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and we've saw our first trailer for that and mm-hmm. it looks really fun jacqueline uh, because she was part of the hall at d23 expo yeah. actually has seen modok <gasps> in person yeah. and um you got to see the trailer for that so any any kind of like putting you on the spot like you you've seen more than the rest of us <laughs> I uh, have. thoughts i i i am very much more excited for this ant-man than i have been any of the other ones other than the fact that paul red's there because paul red um oh yes <laughs> because jonathan majors in this in the the version of the trailer that i saw oh my goodness he is fantastic i love that we're centering so many things around him i i can't wait to see everything like Kang Dynasty is going to be so great it's and that's what I would say is that you know uh phase four for Marvel has been interesting I think what I've seen from what Marvel has done and I've mentioned this in other shows is that when I go into a comic book shop I can choose from hundreds of different Marvel comics and I feel like phase four was Kevin Feige Marvel saying you know what some of these stories don't all have to be connected. Mm-hmm. Some of them you can just kind of grab off the shelf and yeah. read a story that you might be interested in. Hey, you you like um, you know Spider-Man? Here's a story for you. You like uh, Black Panther? Here's a story for you. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's great that we're going to get Kang as a kind of big bad, as some kind of overarching nemesis to go up against the Avengers uh, and a couple of different Avengers movies too, which mm-hmm. leads me to believe we might even have 
a couple of different teams of adventures that we might be uh, messing with here in the relatively near future. But excited to see where Marvel goes from here and uh, was excited to get a chance to see Wakanda forever. So I'll go to either of you for any final thoughts. And actually, go ahead and promote uh, Like This Pod as well. Uh, Jacqueline. So I'll go to you first. Any final thoughts on Wakanda forever? And then also let them know where to go check out. I think you're going to like this. All right. Um, go see this movie. It's great. You know, if you've still been waiting we just spoiled to spoil the back, hell out of it. Yeah. So I hope that they've seen <laughs> yeah. it. Well, listen, they can come back. They can come, you know, um, watch it, enjoy it. Um, you don't have to think too much about it if you don't want to. It's one of those, like you said, it doesn't have to connect to everything. So just go and enjoy it and feel all of the feelings. There are so many feelings to feel in this movie. Mm-hmm. So if you if you need that, go. It's it's so important. Um, so like this pod is, I think you're going to like this. Um, we are on the Front Network feed sometimes. We have our own Facebook and Instagram, sometimes a Twitter um and tiktok we've been doing really really well with tiktok so that's all um like this pod or like this underscore pod depending on which platform you're on um and we're just everywhere that's great did you pay eight dollars yet for your verified account on twitter absolutely i will not pay my eight (laughs) dollars all right all right all right b uh any final thoughts to this film and then also i think the burning question is what what the heck front row network uh pod are you going to be hosting in the near future because (laughs) Vanessa and I have been talking about this and we've been like planning we've been like okay Uh what can she do she needs to do this she after shows are a big thing maybe there's a show out there that she likes but anyway I'm of course kidding you don't have an announcement necessarily tonight but hopefully sometime soon we will get you on uh as a full participant here with a caricature and everything else but be any final thoughts on Wakanda forever Oh, well, like I said, it's the run, don't walk, go see the movie. If you're just, if even if you're not a Marvel fan, I think this movie is really good at drawing people in. It has something for everybody, whether you like action, whether you like a little bit of drama, whatever you like, I think it has something for everybody. So watch it just to watch it. It's a nine in my book, a nine out of 10 for me. So that's pretty high for me because I think I'm a tough critic sometimes. And Marvel, y'all know me and you've been fighting lately. So this is really good in my book. So anyway, go watch it. And I've just been put on the spot because I was like, I have to impress Jacqueline and Craig tonight. So I I get the spot on the network or they'll get rid of me. So uh, yeah, <laughs> stay tuned, y'all. Let's see if they have me back again. Oh, <laughs> no. You are always sure. welcome on like this pod. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna take you up on it. (laughs) And I'll say, um, I will say that, you know, in your day job, you are an amazing connection point that we have to NPR Illinois, and you do a wonderful job with community voices here in the central Illinois area. And if you are a fan of the Front Row Network shows, seriously, go to nprillinois.org and make sure that you donate to them because it's uh, something that allows us to be able to bring out all of this content. You like the interviews that we get. I will tell you, we would not have been able to do any of this without our partnership with NPR Illinois and being a Community Voices podcast. And so we're really grateful to B and to Randy and Vanessa and everybody else at NPR Illinois. uh, It's just making my heart sing. You guys are awesome. You guys are great partners. 
partners, hoping to do more collaboration in the future. And like Craig said, if you aren't doing anything, head on over to nprillinois.org and click that donate button at the top right. It is right there. Or call 217-206-9847. Had to throw on my fundraiser hat. <laughs> That's great. That's great. It's pretty good for 10 o'clock at night that you're doing that. So um, it's been lovely chatting with you two ladies about Wakanda forever and uh, just great to talk Marvel and a wonderful film. So I, I guess that's all that I have. I will say if this is the first time you're listening to Beyond the Mouse, make sure that you subscribe. You can find us wherever you find podcasts. You can also track us down on social media. We're Beyond the Mouse Pod on Instagram. We also have Beyond Mouse on Twitter. Two places on Facebook you can find us. You can find us at Beyond the Mouse Podcast, uh, which is our page, and then also Beyond the Mouse Podcast Pals, which I recommend going to because we're going to actually start to uh, post uh, all about this film and get people's interactions in there as well. Uh, we also do have a Patreon, so you can go to patreon.com slash beyond the mouse. And I'm actually probably, I know it's kind of late, but I might jump on and talk a little bit about this episode uh, after we get off here. So I'm excited about that as well. Um, but it's been great getting to talk to the the two of you about this and where we're heading to in the future. Beyond the Mouse has some great holiday episodes coming up as well. We have some guests lined up. We we have a Disney legend potentially joining us Yay. as a bookend to our year, which I'm excited about uh, as well. And then also, I think I'm supposed to be recording an episode all about Tron with Brett and a special guest uh, coming up in just another day or so here. So I'm excited about that too and you'll see that on our feed very soon but for beyond the mouse i am craig i'm b and i'm jacqueline and we will see you real soon in the front row maybe the front row of quantum mania right we all got to go together we got to make sure we got this line we should people we got jacqueline and jeremy in the corner so they can talk (laughs) about the whole film <laughs> the entire time. B, you and I can sit together. Yes, uh, if Megan. you have any questions, I'm there for you, but I won't be like annoying about it. That's yeah. that's where we'll be, okay? Pass me some tissue if I start crying. That's it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Megan will sit with you guys. She'll, she'll help. That's great. That's great. 